I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward, two of our very best at Action Network, and they cover, that's right, UFC. UFC betting previews are back on the Action Network podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the pod on the audio side. Also on our Action Network YouTube channel, subscribe, like the video. Every Friday, we're back, Sean, Billy, and myself. These two will give out some underdogs, props, and best bets in the UFC. UFC Vegas 85 at the Apex facility in Las Vegas. UFC fight night. Uh, Getting you set. We'll dive into all the angles. Just a couple of housekeeping notes before we dive in. Uh, If you are new to UFC, you're using this weekend as a break from the NFL with the bye week, and you're getting yourself back into it. If you're accustomed to betting UFC and you're diving back in, uh, a great way to get yourself refamiliarized. familiarized uh, The Action Network has a great uh, guide for you. If you go to the Action Network YouTube page, uh, we have a video uh, going back to last summer, UFC betting strategy, expert tips and advice from pro bettors. Uh, that is a video. That's the title of the video. And uh, Sean and Billy actually joined Maria Marino and they give some insight on some do's, some don'ts, some suggestions as far as how you want to look at a card each week. So, uh, without further ado, let's dive in, shall we? UFC Vegas fight night. Here we go. Main event. Roman Delize. He is the underdog this weekend in the main event, taking on Nazardine Imavov. This is going to take a bit to get reaccustomed to names, too. Uh, it's the, the, of course, they just want you to get right back into it. Okay, Sean Zarello, I'll go to you first. So, what do you make of the line? And then, how do you want to bet this fight? Yeah, if you are taking a break from the NFL this week trying to bet on something else, I'm sorry. This is not the best fight card, but always happy to have fights to bet on. And especially after a week off, happy to have some fights to watch again. And Imava versus Dalidze, not the most interesting main event, but an important one for the rankings in the middleweight division. Now, breaking this fight down, Dalidze, the bigger finisher, the bigger man, used to fight at 205. Imava, a little bit smaller, the measurables on paper, look pretty comparable, but once they're in the cage, I expect Delize to be the more powerful striker and to have more finishing upside. If he wins the fight, I expect him to win by finish, either knockout or submission, close to 80% of the time. If Amavov wins the fight, I have him winning the decision about 55% of the time. So generally speaking, I tend to see Amavov winning later, Delize winning earlier, and that also sort of trends with their career experience and, you know, their their trend line of their recent fights. Amavov coming off of a career best performance against Chris Curtis, that fight ended early due to accidental headbutt. He has been in a main event before. We've seen him stretch that cardio out over five rounds. 
doesn't have the best cardio, but he has had to go five rounds before and prove it. And that experience certainly helps going forward. Delize is older. I believe he's six or seven years older. So going five rounds for the first time, not going to be to his benefit. He also hasn't shown the best cardio even in three round fights. So I think the later fights, rounds four and five, certainly favor Imavov. I think it may be a spot where you can live bet, but he hasn't shown the best cardio, as I've mentioned, throughout his career. So I just view him as the fighter with more ways to win, the better minute winner, more likely to be on top after takedowns, and probably more likely to be on head. And head in terms of striking volume too. I think if Delize wins this fight, he's either going to need to get a finish, or he's probably going to need a few big moments where he gets knockdowns without ultimately securing the finish. So Malvov at minus 160, I think is a fair price. I projected him closer to about 65%, so roughly minus 180. So anything at about minus 170 or better, I'll take on the favorite and lay it with Nasruddin Amavov. And as I said, you may look into maybe some decision props for Amavov with the fight going longer, or even a same-game parlay with Amavov and the over two and a half rounds. That pays out at about plus 140. You're essentially giving away one-third of his win condition over the first half of the fight. So not necessarily to your benefit, but, you know, in terms of breaking it down, but in terms of the way the fight plays out, I actually think he's more likelier to win in the final two and a half rounds. Imavov using the takedown in three of his last four UFC wins. Billy Ward, I should also add, housekeeping, a plug for Billy, the Action Network UFC luck ratings, not rankings, not to be confused with NFL, the luck ratings. You found this line to be fairly valued. So with that being said, how would you like to bet the main event? Yeah, you know, Sean queued me up nicely. I'm actually viewing the fight mostly the same way he is, and that Delize needs a finish. Imavov probably can win a decision. You know, Imavov, he's the better technical striker, I'd say, by a pretty wide margin here. But he's mostly just trying to touch you and score points. He's not really a guy who more or less comes out aggressively hunting finishes on the feet. His last two stoppages have both been ground and pounded on the ground. But Delize is a former ADCC competitor, super dangerous submission guy, you know, got into MMA kind of late. He was just a pure submission grappler through much of his 20s. That says a lot about his cardio. You know, I always bring up on here that those guys usually just do one long round. They don't really have the cardio to go back to the stool, back out, back to the stool, back out the way they do in UFC. So, you know, everything in line with what Sean was saying, two ways you can play it. I took Delize by finish only. It right around even money that means if the fight goes to a decision doesn't matter who wins your bet gets refunded only way it pays out is if someone gets a finish and then obviously the other way is delete to do the finishing right around plus 200 a little bit better you could split between those two but it's really just a risk tolerance thing if you want to be on that side those are the ways to play delete and then how much you know do you want to chase the bigger payout or do you want a little bit more insurance if the likelier option of it going to a decision happens yeah, just, you know, just to reiterate, I said, you know, I give Delize about an 80% chance to finish. If he wins the fight, Imavov about 45%. So the way I would handicap that finish only market, I'd probably make Delize closer to about minus 170, minus 175. I think his finishing upside is much higher. And I think that's a very square price getting him at plus money to be the only one to finish. Billy and Sean's fight of the night for UFC fight night. Renato Moicano taking on Drew Dober. Dober, the underdog at plus 150. So. Uh, Moicano Zarello has the height advantage. He's got about three inches on Dober. Is he properly valued uh, on the money line? I think so. He's taller, longer. And if these two just strike it out for 15 minutes, I might actually favor Moicano straight up. He's the better technical striker. Dober is a brawler though. And he's 3-0 inside the apex. I think the smaller cage 
helps him just having opponents being more on top of him, not having to go as far to close the distance. And he does have more finishing upside on the feet. He hits very hard. I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of running back that Moicano fight against Rafael Fazeev at the apex where he got deaded in the first round. Moicano doesn't have the best chin. He's the BJJ guy, but he is the better technical fighter, the better technician on the feet in the stand-up. And I think the striking will be very close, if not favor him outright, aside from the moments where he potentially gets clipped. But the favoritism comes down to all of the grappling upside in this fight being in his favor. He's one of the best back takers in the sport, pretty confident that he's going to get Dober down multiple times, if not just once, and finish the fight. Dober has decent submission defense, but not as good once people get on his back. So Moicano, just as I said, one of the best fighters at taking the back in the sport. And once he gets the back, it's usually a wrap from there. So Moicano by submission, there's a bit of a price differentiation depending on a book. If you shop around, you can get as low as plus 120. I saw as high as plus 170, though. That seems like a pretty good price to me. Moicano to win inside the distance. And then just Moicano on the money line as well. I think there's definitely a chance that he just secures control, back control, backpack against Dober for a large part of this fight and ultimately wins a decision. So fine laying minus 185 on Moicano. I projected his money line closer to about minus 200. It's about where I played up to his minus 185, but I think he's the right side in this fight. Billy, where do you stand? And you can't ignore Moicano and his takedown accuracy. That's a big differentiator against Dober. Yeah, that one's a little bit tricky because much of that came at 145 where he wasn't giving up the size and strength he is up at 155. I came into watching tape on this fight, like really trying to talk myself into Drew Dober, trying to find an angle to play the underdog here. I just couldn't get there. I ended up agreeing with Sean. I think we're looking at this to a degree as a striker in Drew Dober versus a grappler in Moicano. But the more more tape I watched on Moicano, I became less and less convinced that he's not the better striker too. You know, Sean made some good points. Dober's probably got more power on the feet. You know, could definitely clip him and change the course of the fight with one. But if you look back, Drew Dober fought Brad Riddell, you know, striking coach over at City Kickboxing. Kind of got picked apart by Riddell. Moicano fought Brad Riddell. He finished him with a submission, but he hurt him on the feet before that. You know, three-minute sample size, we can't say for sure that he's the better striker. And we know MMA math doesn't work that way. But it was a pretty convincing data point for me that not only is he, we can all agree he's the better grappler, might even be the better striker. Don't feel confident that he ends up getting the submission because Dober's, you know, got the good submission defense. Wouldn't be shocked if he pounded him out on the ground or landed a kick or something. So that leaves me no choice. I got to take the money line straight up. Think he wins. Don't really know how. Fine with laying the juice if he's better. And we think all areas other than power. Yeah, unless he gets like knocked down hard, you know, eats one big shot and gets clipped and hurt. I really think he's going to control the fight, control the pace of the fight, really chew Dober up at range. Uh, Dober is very hittable. So, uh, that second half of the, the Dos Santos fight for Moicano was very impressive too. You know, how badly he was getting beaten up seemed like it was going to be stopped. And then he ultimately fought back. I believe he won the fifth round against those Andros as well. So a lot of heart in this guy. And as long as he's not flat on the canvas after a big power shot, I think he's going to be the winner. I will say real quick before I move on, I guess my hesitancy early and why I was looking to Dober is we haven't seen Moicano in a little bit. He's had some injury issues. I think he's been out for a little over a year at this point. Yeah, it's November 22, his last fight. That's the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause on going too heavy here. But if we knew that that wasn't a factor and that he's in good shape and he's been training and he's sharp and all those other things that we occasionally take for granted, I'd be all in 
I'm yeah, not- it's, it's just the five knockout losses against the guy with big power, uh, who's super durable as well in Dober. You know, Dober tends to be a fun guy to bet as an underdog because he's very difficult to knock out. And if you decide to brawl with him, he's more likelier to finish you. So yeah, big, big juicy number on Dober, but don't think this is necessarily the right matchup for him. Hmm. And we I mean, saw him get knocked out pretty badly recently too. You know, everyone's got a great chin until they don't. And I'm going to talk about that with another fighter later on. But, you know, we all say, oh, you know, Chuck Liddell for a million years couldn't hurt him. And then everybody knocked him out. So sometimes I worry if that's not Dober's 35, maybe it's just the start of a trend. And it's an, it's also a sign of a, you know, physical decline, not only in terms of the chin, but also in terms of the speed, like the athleticism, you know, once the knockouts start coming, we'll talk about this with Alexander Volkanovsky in a few weeks. Once the knockouts start coming, that athleticism, the speed tends to dip too, and all the skills sort of fold into one another. So even though these two are the same age, I think Moicano is the much fresher fighter uh, in terms of physical, you know, trajectory going forward. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you're new to the podcast, I love the underdog segment because I'm curious as to what Sean and Billy might cook up and where they might see value. And you two are not shy to identify underdogs responsibly. You do your work behind the scenes, watch film and look at numbers. And if there's a number that you like in the market, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And you're actually in alignment in the welterweight matchup. Zerillo, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I like when Billy and I line up on an underdog. I think we've had a lot of success, actually, when we land on a consensus underdog. And this week we're going with Pete Rodriguez, which is kind of an atypical underdog play, I'd say, for us, because Billy and I usually find ways to fade fighters who don't make it out of the first round. Pete Rodriguez, all of his career MMA fights have ended in two minutes and 21 seconds or less. So there is so much unknown about this kid beyond the first round, beyond the three-minute mark of the first round. And I think what Billy and I probably are falling back on here is where he trains. This is a kid who trains at MMA Lab. And this is one of the best gyms in the sport. And we continually see MMA Lab produce prospects with relatively no-name status right to the UFC level and immediately impress. Marcus McGee, the most recent name that comes to mind. They do tend to have more smaller fighters, more of these bantamweights, flyweights, not as many welterweights, guys Pete Rodriguez's size. Uh, so not really sure, right, who he's training with in that room, but I do trust the gym, and I do trust 
that there's some sort of base beyond three minutes of skill in Pete Rodriguez's game if this fight does extend. And you're getting all of that baked into the price here, plus 210. I think he's clearly, clearly the better boxer in this fight with Femigarimbo. He is at a huge reach disadvantage, six-inch reach discrepancy. Really don't think that is going to matter on the feet. Garimbo, the better grappler. The longer limbs probably going to help him if he gets this fight to the mat. But standing Rodriguez, a huge speed advantage, huge technical boxing advantage. I think he's very live to finish this fight. And I like his odds at plus 210. You're also baking in the unknown here that we get him winning a decision. Just get him as the better striker over the course of 15 minutes that his takedown defense holds up better than we think it might. Again, there's so much unknown that we're betting into with Rodriguez here. Don't really know how his defensive grappling is, what his cardio looks like. So some alternative ways to play this fight. Rodriguez by knockout, Rodriguez in round one, Rodriguez by round one knockout. That is how he's won fights in the past. And frankly, I do expect him to win the first round here, which is why I'm betting him pre-fight. And then I think you'll get an opportunity to jump in on Garimba live after round one. So Pete Rodriguez, the clear pre-fight side for my perspective, especially finishing all of his wins in round one. And then I think you take it from there and maybe look for a live price on Garimbo after round one, potentially plus money too. You try to get plus money on both sides of this fight as Rodriguez moves away from his likeliest win condition. So Rodriguez early and then Garimbo live is how I'd play this. Okay. And Billy, Pete Rodriguez has come down from plus 240. So this number keeps coming down at price you want to jump on sooner rather than later. Bet MGM still offering plus 200. Yeah, so this is a really, I think, fun fight to try to handicap because we don't know a ton about either guy. Pete Rodriguez came in on super short notice and fought Jack Della Maddalena, who's now like a top 10 ranked welterweight. That went exactly how you'd expect. He got starched in the first round. Actually had some moments with some good body shots before that. Jackie made a little adjustment, picked him apart, bam. Next fight, he fights like the worst UFC fighter ever in Mike Jackson and obliterates him in the first round. Neither of those tell us anything. Like, I would have had the exact same results in those two fights as Pete Rodriguez did. Brendan, you probably would have. Sean, you probably would have too. Like, I think all three of us would have lost to Jack Della Maddalena. And I don't think I would have landed a body shot on Jack Della, but yes. Well, not that part, but the final <laughs> result would have been the same. Less Same result, less success. <laughs> right. Uh, Thumba Grimbo has a loss against AJ Fletcher, who's fine, whatever. His only win in the UFC was Takashi Sato. It was the fourth straight loss for Sato. Doesn't tell us much. The biggest thing for me and why I ultimately felt fairly confident in Rodriguez is we're being sold on Thumba Grimbo as this grappling ace, right? Like, that's why that's his thing. That's what the broadcast keeps talking about. He got hit with, like, a first day of jujitsu class guillotine by AJ Fletcher, made no attempt to defend it, and just tapped out. I understand that he was a little bit rocked going into that. Getting rocked by like five foot two AJ Fletcher is a whole nother issue with his game. But you can't tell me that your thing is grappling and then you're getting caught in a guillotine without even trying to defend it. So I don't know a ton about either guys. I don't feel confident in my read in either of them. If you're going to bank on your grappling, you better not fall for something basic like that. And then I wanted to be on knockout or early stuff with Rodriguez, but not even that different from the money line. I think yeah. the books have figured out that that's what's going to happen. Probably will begrudgingly come back in with a hedge on Thumba Live the way that Sean pointed out, but would rather just let this one ride out and hopefully we don't have to see him back on the stools. Now, this is one of those things, right? Like I'm anticipating maybe a live entry on Thumba. Watch their body language. See how they're both. If Pete looks fresh after round one, if Pete looks like he's raring to go Mm -hmm. for round two, don't bet against them. We don't know what he's going to look like. You know, oftentimes when I'm recommending a live bet, it's because I'm very confident that a guy is going to be tired after the first round or will tire halfway through the second round. We really don't know with Pete Rodriguez. So watch it. See how he looks. He's standing up 
in the corner in between rounds looking like he's ready for round two. Don't lie, bet against that. I think he's going to be fresh at that point. But definitely watch this one closely. Good fight to gather information. But I think the tall man defense for Garibo here, as you mentioned against Fletcher, a smaller fighter, clipped him. I think with Rodriguez, it's going to be a problem too. These taller fighters, sometimes who have the reach advantage but are not as good of strikers as their opponent, they tend to have that tall man defense and they get clipped with those three-ounce gloves because they can't shell up as much as they might with boxing gloves in a gym. So I think it does make a difference. This actually may be a situation where the striking favors the shorter fighter and the, the height and the reach favors the shorter fighter. Well, especially in the smaller cage at the apex against a guy who loves to work the body anyway. Like you add those two factors in mm-hmm. and he just doesn't, you've said it in the past when I've tried to use, you know, reach advantage as a selling point on fighter. You're like, yeah, but so-and-so doesn't use that at all. Like he doesn't actually keep you at range. So I think Thumba is a perfect example of that where, yeah, he's taller, but he doesn't really utilize that in a way that helps him. So I'm not too worried about the height. Noted on the, um, on the body language, do you have a price target in mind? If Grimbo is a live bet, possibly if you can go, if you can get plus money on Pete pre-fight and then get plus money on the other side after round one, or, you know, even a pick em price and sort of just have both sides riding at plus money where you're profitable, no matter what, just sort of arb out on it. That's that's what I'd look for, you know, find a way to profit no matter who wins after round one. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Let's go to the prop market. Uh, where are we looking this week, Zarillo? There's a few angles that I like for prop perspectives. One I didn't write down here, uh, Randy Brown to win in round two and round three in the featured fight on the main card against Muslim Salikov. Salikov, 40 years old. Randy Brown, a number of round two and round three finishes on his record, tends to build as the fight goes. I also kind of like him to win by submission, but Randy Brown, round two, round three, I think is a worthy late uh, prop throw on this card. I also like Viviani Araujo by decision at plus 450. She's a big underdog uh, against Natalie Silva. I don't mind her money line at plus 280, but Araujo very likely to win by a decision there if she does win in plus 450, a very juicy number. Uh, she's going to be tough for the first two rounds. Her cardio tends to fade the longer her fights go, but a veteran been in main events before fighting a prospect who's taking a step up in competition. Prospect, by the way, with five losses on a record. I think Vivi Araujo, very live here this weekend, nearly a plus 300 underdog. And then lastly, Julia Storyorenko, one of my favorite fighters to bet because I bet her the same way every time, and she keeps cashing it. Storyorenko round one, Storyorenko by submission. And then after round one, you'll look to live bet her opponent because she tends to quit. So Stoli to finish the fight early. Maybe also Stoliarenko and Carolina fight to end inside the distance at a pick em price as well. That also caught my attention. If Stoli doesn't get the finish, she tends to quit on herself. So I like that fight to end inside the distance and Stoliarenko to finish it in round one. Billy, how about yourself? Prop market, what jumps out to you? Yeah, real quick on the Stoliarenko. I believe, I don't think they're up yet. Usually at BetMGM, we can bet on the type of submission. Mm. Stoliarenko has won her last, like, nine or something have all been first round arm bars when she wins so and carolina has very long limbs and is just like begging to get arm barred so yeah that's uh that's an easy play there yeah honestly looking through her record i don't know if she's ever won by anything other than an arm bar (laughs) bar specialist like she has one split decision and then yeah 10 submissions i believe every single one is an arm bar so just fun little thing they do at bet mgm that most places don't allow you to bet on they'll probably make money and make her submission prop four to one but yeah (laughs) yeah but uh 
No, mine is, you know, I teased it a little bit earlier. We were talking about differences in camps. Markel Madero's coming in off the contender series. He's a factory X Muay Thai product out in Colorado. That's where, you know, Chris Gutierrez, Kamara Usman, kind of Anthony Smith, really high level camp. I expect that to pay off for him. You know, he picked up a knockout in his contender series fight. He has six knockouts of his eight pro wins. He's fighting a guy Landon Quinones, not really impressed by. Don't exactly know where he trains. Tapology lists it as either KO gang or Kogang. And I don't know if it's like a traditional martial arts school that's pronounced Kogang or it's the knockout gang. But either way, you know, not like one of these big camps where you've heard of people. Didn't look great against Nazareth Hekparis in his debut. Hekparis more of a point fighter, not really trying to kill people the way that at least we've seen so far from Madero's. So got to check the odds real quick. Markel Madero's knockout plus 220. I'm also going to sprinkle a little bit of his money line, but I think if he wins it, it's probably going to be a knockout. Canones is nicknamed the Lone Wolf, so I'd say it's very likely that he trains at a at a small gym that is not a very big-name gym, uh, considering the nickname. So, uh, yeah, Lone Wolf kind of giving me the uh, indication that it's a smaller gym. I just want to know if it's like a traditional martial arts school and I'm supposed to pronounce that like it's a Chinese word or if he's like knockout gang, knockout gang, you know? It kind of looks like it's written as like knockout in capitals, like knockout gang. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know. They, they have a wolf pack logo on the wall on his topology photos while he's really into <laughs> he's the a, He's a one man wolf pack in Vegas. He's into the wolf. Well, it's, you know, it's ironic, though, because he's posing with another fighter. So oh. it's, it's a two man lone wolf pack. <laughs> but you can see with all of this discussion why I'm fading him to bring it back to the betting angle. You know, just, these are not things we like to see at this level of the sport. You can get through some regional fights kind of just bouncing around gyms. Usually we don't like that for these high level fights. All right, let's wrap it up as we normally do with best bets. Sometimes it's a final bet. If you're new to if you're not new to the show and you're a, a normal listener to the program, uh, sometimes I don't know with Sean and Billy if it's really a final bet or if this in, indeed is a best bet. So Zarilla, I'll let you take the baton. It's a best bet. It's a best bet. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like Dino Belbita a lot this week. Uh, this is a rematch from a fight, I believe, six years ago. Um, sorry, it's it's four years ago. Uh, McCann and Belbita faced off, and McCann at that point in the prime of her career, Belbita, twenty three years old at the time. Uh, now in the prime of her career, right at twenty seven, whereas McCann is thirty three. Had her arm broken by Julia Stoyarenko in her last fight the armbar specialist. But in terms of how these two are trending in their respective careers, McCann kind of seems like she's on her way out of the UFC, you know, has hit her ceiling. Uh, In terms of performances, it's been very evident that she's going to struggle when facing higher level grapplers. And they are trying to give her a step down into a striker and Diana Belbita. But the last time these two fought, even though Molly 30, 25 her across the board, rewatch the fight, it is more competitive than those scorecards indicate. And when you bake in four years of progression, both athletically and in terms of training, you give Belbita slightly better takedown defense this time around. You actually regress McCann's skill set, right? Going from 29 to 33, being out of her physical prime. And you do see how this kind of plays out as much closer to a 50-50 fight than the odds would indicate. So I think you're getting a very square number here on Belbita, purely because McCann won the first fight, where if you analyze their recent performances and you bake in the progression, the progression on either side, I think this is going to be a very competitive striking fight. McCann can possibly edge her out again with the takedowns and with the grappling, but I expect Belbita's defensive grappling to be much better than it was the first time around. So Belbita, 
the younger fighter here, reach advantage, six inch reach advantage. She's three inches taller. She's going to be the better kicker. And when we talk about using your length, using your range, as we did with the Grimbo fight, Grimbo not going to use it well. Bobita is going to use her kicks really well. And that will probably be her most thrown strike here against McCann, or at least it should be when these two are out range. But she throws a lot of volume with her hands as well. I think this is going to be a very high volume striking affair. Both of them are going to land probably over 100 significant strikes. As I said, maybe the takedowns with McCann edge her over, but this should be a much closer fight than it was last time and an even closer fight than that plus 220 line indicates. So Belbita on the money line, and I think in a 50-50 fight, also like her by decision a little bit, but just going to take the money line here. All right. Another plus money dog as a best bet. Didn't see that one coming for the first one back in 2024. Billy Ward, best bet, final bet. Yeah, before I get to mine, just one thing that I'm fully in agreement with, Sean. I think I even put it in the luck article, but Molly McCann dropping 10 pounds for this one for the first time in a while. 33 years old. I have never heard someone say, hey, now that I'm in my 30s, it's so much easier to lose weight. Never once heard someone say that. I think it's kind of like one of those things where rather than fix the hole in your game or figure out what went wrong. You're like, yeah, I'll just drop a weight class and bully everyone down there. And it usually doesn't work that way, even if you can physically get down there. So yeah, love that pick from Sean, full agreement. And respectfully to Molly, she's never had the physique that it's like she can clearly move down and wait. Her nickname is literally Meatball. Like she has that kind of physique. You know, it's she doesn't have a physique that you would go, yeah, she should clearly be a weight division lower. Mm -hmm. So we just talk about the speed advantage, right? That should already exist. Her dropping down in weight against the fighter who's already accustomed to that division, that's that's going to factor in even more to the speed. But, all right, sorry to uh, cause well, that digression, but, yeah, mine are, I'd say, more in the realm of final bets. The one, and I'm going to even butcher this one, Ali Askab Kizriev, I believe, taking yeah. on Mackwood Muradoff. It's more of just a fade of Muradoff. He's one and two in his last three fights. His win was against Brian Barberina at middleweight. Barbarina had no business to be in a middleweight. I don't know what's going on there. Kizriev is 14-0. and 0, Looks like a legit prospect. Just been very inactive. Contender Series fight in 2020. Took him three years to get back in there. Fought in 2022. Or two years to get back in there. Another two years before this one. Don't know what's going on there. But he has given us nothing to think he's not, you know, just a total marauder and going to roll through people. Pretty fair price in the minus 140s, depending on when and where you look. I'm fine with that. I don't think Muradoff's that good. Then the other one, Thomas Peterson in the opener, minus 165. Another guy I think is a legit prospect. Taking on Jamal Pogues. Pogues is really just a 205er who either didn't want to cut weight anymore or wanted to fight worse competition, or potentially both. I don't think the USC is trying to get in the Jamal Pogues business here. Peterson looked really good on the contender series. D1 wrestler at South Dakota State, way better athlete overall. You know, I, I just think the size, I think, is too much for a guy like Pogues who really should be fighting 205. So I'm... You know, don't love laying the juice on it. I wish I felt a little more confident in the method of victory, but minus 165 isn't bad on Peterson either. All right, gents. Good stuff. Good to have us back on the saddle. And uh, we're off and running. UFC betting previews here on the Action Network podcast. That'll do it for this week's episode. We're presented by our friends at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Find more from Sean and Billy, especially those live betting angles. And as we get closer to Saturday, this pod will be out Friday afternoon, whenever you're listening. But Once we get to Saturday, find these guys in the app if they add anything else in the free award-winning Action Network app. Best of luck with all your picks this weekend. For Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to our UFC betting preview on the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.